This podcast is a production of Journey, a church community inspiring people to live big. For more information, please visit cincyjourney.org. Good morning. Uh, Again, my name is Joe Merrick. I'm the lead pastor here at Journey, and I'm so excited that you are here with us today. Uh, We've had just a great morning of worship already, and I'm excited to uh, continue uh, that with you this morning. Uh, Just a couple of things before we jump in. Uh, First off, if you would reach into the seat back in front of you, you can find a Connect card Uh, Lots of information you can put on that Connect card. Uh, Specifically on the back, you can write prayer requests, decisions you've made, things you want us as a church to know about. So if you would grab one of those from the seat back in front of you and and take a few moments to fill that out today, um, it's our desire to have one of those from every family here today. You can drop it in the offering bags that will come by at the end of our time together or uh, in some of the uh, boxes as you exit today. So please uh, take a moment and fill that Connect card out. With that, let me just pray for us as we get started. Lord, we are so thankful. So thankful to be here in this place. God, we are so thankful to be in your presence. And God, as we have sung this morning, we are reminded that no matter what we are going through, no matter what our week has been like, no matter how good or bad it was, how difficult or hard, just like we sang today, you are greater. You are more powerful. There's no one like you. In your name we pray, amen. Well, hey, we are in week number four, week number four of our uh, teaching on the uh, book of Philippians. And one of the things we do here at Journey in the summer is uh, we kind of take a break from our our uh, month-long teaching series on different topics, and we kind of zoom in on some section of the Bible. We've done this in a variety of ways in the past. We've done uh, the best uh, 50 stories of the Old Testament. We've done uh, character studies on David, uh, different parts of the Bible. And this summer, what we're doing is we are going through the book of Philippians together. And I say we're going through the book of Philippians together for two reasons. First, because every week for uh, 10 weeks here in the summer, we are going through uh, uh, the book of Philippians. We're working our way through it. But also, one of the things we do in the summer is we create a summer reading plan. And uh, this summer, we're doing uh, that reading plan through the YouVersion Bible app. It's been great. Uh, We have a group set there, and we can see comments uh, that you've made. And and I just want to encourage you, you, if you haven't yet signed up, you can find that information inside your program right there on the bottom part, instructions on how to jump in uh, to that. It's been great to see people interact with the scriptures And can I just be honest? I can't tell you how many times this week uh, I got a little notification that said, uh, so-and-so made a comment on on verse 12, and I thought, oh no, I didn't read yet today. I better go do that. 
And we need that, right? We, we need that reminder. And that's one of the things that we hope to do collectively as a church in the summertime is we reset. We say, you know what? Bible reading is important. It's important not just because it's something to do. It's important because it's one of the primary ways we learn about who God is. Not just hearing someone like me tell you about it, but, but opening up the scripture and saying, God, what are you saying to me in these verses? What am I going to do about it this week? How's my life going to change? How am I going to interact with my spouse, with a coworker differently because of what I read today? Those are questions we wrestle with when we open up the Bible. And so let me just one more time encourage you to join along with us. It's a, it's a great way. They're pretty short readings. It's pretty easy to, if you're a couple weeks behind, to catch up and, and to just participate uh, with us in that um, summer reading plan. I think it's one of the best things we do around here. All right, well, also, uh, like I said, we are in week number four. Let me kind of catch you up. One of the things we try and do as well is kind of show how um, the particular verses fit together in the larger section of Scripture. And so uh, this morning in that program, if you would open up, we got that cool infographic there that kind of shows you the book of Philippians at a a 30,000-foot view. And so far, uh, there's also bigger ones on the tables. We heard some people couldn't quite see in the uh, uh, program, and so there are some bigger ones printed out. Feel free to take a look at that. Take that home if you would like. So far in uh, the book of Philippians, what we have done is we've looked at the first 11 verses, the opening and the prayer, and we spent a couple of weeks talking about that, Uh, and we marveled We marveled at how Paul cared for the Philippians. Remember, this is a letter that Paul writes to the Philippians from jail, and they send, the Philippians hear that Paul is in jail in Rome, and they send uh, Epaphroditus and some money to him in order to help him. And when he gets it, um, he sends Epaphroditus back. We're going to get to that later because he gets sick, but he also sends him with this letter He sends them with this letter, and so uh, the Philippians, the church there, they gather together when when he returns, and this letter gets uh, read aloud, and what they're expecting to hear, what they're longing to hear, is how is Paul doing? Is he being treated well? What's the jail like? Did they beat him badly? Uh, Does he have enough to eat? What are his needs? What's going on in his life? And, And the And the letter gets read to them, and Paul addresses none of that in the beginning. He says, you know what? I'm not worried about these things. Listen to what's happening around me. The gospel is continuing. The soldiers, they're hearing about the gospel. Uh, uh, The other Christians in Rome who have gathered around me, you think they would become more shy because of my imprisonment, but rather... Now they're even more bold than they were before, and he rejoices in that. That's a word Paul comes back to again and again in the book of Philippians. He's filled with joy because of what God's doing. We see the all in the opening of the letter, and the second kind of part there, if you're looking down, is 
how Paul's imprisonment, and we talked some about this last week. Paul is, he's talking about being imprisoned a little bit, and he comes to this realization where he doesn't know uh, if he's going to make it. He doesn't know if he's going to be killed or if he's going to live. And one of the things that happens in this section of scripture is we get a little glimpse into Paul's mind. And he wrestles with what's better. Is it better for me to live? Is it better for me to die? If I die, he says, that's, that's the best that could happen because then I'm with God. Ultimately, though, he says, you know, I think I will live. He doesn't know at this point, but he says, I think I'm going to live because it will be an encouragement to you, the Philippians. And I can continue telling people about God and his love for them. And so he expresses that, and he does all that. He kind of goes through all this mental anguish uh, and wrestling in this section so he can demonstrate demonstrate a very important lesson that we're going to talk about today, but really an important lesson in Philippians, and that is he was putting other people before himself. Even as he came up to the end of his life, even as he came up with the threat of death, he's putting others before himself. Today, We're going to be in chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. Chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. If you've got uh, the YouVersion Bible app, if you've got a Bible with you today, I encourage you to open that up, uh, the first 11 chapters of chapter 2. And the theme, the theme of this section is uh, following Jesus' example, following Jesus' example. And one of the primary ways Paul is following Jesus' example in this section is through humility. He's encouraging the Philippians to be humble. And if you remember, humility isn't something that is easy for the Philippians. In week one, we talked about uh, kind of the special status that the city of Philippi had in the Roman world and how uh, because of the special status, they didn't have to pay taxes like everybody else around them. And it was this source of pride. They were this proud people. Not that much has changed. We can be proud people. Even modern day Americans, we can have a hard time with humility. Just to help us begin to kind of think about humility, I read an article this week uh, from uh, Paul Roberts. And he, he talks about this psychologist named David uh, Kippens who wanted to know if power really corrupted people. That's a phrase that we use a lot, uh, power corrupting people. And so he sets up a series of tests, of experiments. And he sets up kind of these uh, scenarios where uh, there are people who are in charge, people who are the managers, and people who are the workers. And he he varies kind of how much power he gives uh, some of these uh, players. And some of them he gives a lot of power, power to fire people, promote people, demote people. Some he gives very little And what he discovers is that the bosses with more power 
Listen to this. They were more likely to use coercive, strong-arm tactics. They would criticize their employees. They would make demands. They would display anger. They were dismissive of what their employees did, and they took credit for their employees' success. Some people are saying, I I work for those people. They're not fictitious. His conclusion, power inflates. It inflates our identity, our our sense of self-worth, and makes us less able to empathize, empathize with those with less power, those lacking power. It says, even a little bit, even a little bit of power corrupts ordinary people. What people are, are lacking in this study, uh, what people are, are lacking so many times in Philippi, what people are lacking here in America today, in our context today, is humility. Humility. And Jesus... Jesus was the opposite. Jesus was full of humility. He's full of humility. And so what Paul does in the first 11 verses of chapter 2 is Paul, uh, and quite frankly other places in, in his writings as well, Paul simply points. He points to Jesus. and He says we should live like that. That should be our example of humility. Let's see how he does this in chapter 2, verses 1 and 2 here. Therefore, therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, he says, then make my joy compete. Make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and one of mind. Paul here is talking to the Philippians. He's talking to them about being unified, not divided. He says, uh, the world is divided. You followers of Jesus, you're to be unified in who Jesus is. And get this, if you're going to be unified, it's going to take some humility. He continues on in verses 3. Right after that, right after this call for unity, he says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, there's that word again, value others above yourselves. And then verse 4, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Paul, again, he's saying, look, uh, we are to be a a people uh, who are united in who Jesus is. And if we're going to do that, if we're going to have one mind and one heart and and really be united and not divided like everyone else, it's going to take something special and it's going to take humility. Paul, standing in the long shadow of Jesus' teaching on humility here. 
Just a couple of examples of some things Jesus said about humility. Mark chapter 10, verses 43 and 44. He says, not so with you. Don't be like the world. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. And then in Luke chapter 22, verses 26 and 27, he says, but you are not to be like that. Again, he's setting a distinction. Instead, the greatest among you should be like the youngest And the one who rules like the one who serves. For who is greater, the one who is at the table or the one who serves? He clarifies. It's not the one who's at the table. Because I'm among you as the one who serves. Jesus and Paul are really clear here. That the world's getting turned upside down. That the world's getting turned upside down. It's getting turned on its head. Those who serve, those who put others first in God's world, in God's kingdom, they're the real winners. That's what Paul is driving at here. That's what he's driving at in chapter 2 of Philippians. And he says, and you want proof? You want proof? Let's look at the life of Jesus. Let's look at the life of Jesus. Not just what he says, but how he lives. Let's see how seriously Jesus took this idea of humility. In verse 5, he says, In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Again, Paul here is pointing to Jesus as the example. He's the example of true humility. He is reminding us and the Philippians that Jesus is the one. Jesus is the one we should be modeling our lives after nobody else. Modeling our lives after Jesus, after his life, his attitude. Then he goes on and he says, here's four ways. Four ways Jesus humbled himself. Four kind of demotions Jesus took. Really, you could probably point to more here, but here are four. If you're following along in, in the YouVersion Bible app or you've got a Bible with you this morning, just highlight some of these words here so we can kind of count them together. In verse 6. Who being, remember he, he in verse 5 he's just said... Um, in your relationships with one another, have the same mind as Christ. And then verse 6, he says, who being in very nature God, so he's talking about Jesus, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. It's the first place we see humility, this kind of downward step for Jesus. He's, he doesn't use his, his equality with God to his own advantage. Advantage. That's what to highlight there. Paul, Paul's referring to Jesus' full divinity here. He, he's saying, you know, uh, remember that Jesus is fully God. 
That just like it gets talked about in the Old Testament of how uh, um, all the praise and worship of heaven and earth uh, comes to God, it's coming to Jesus. It's coming to Jesus, and, and he leaves that, and he comes to earth to save humanity. And what's most impressive, Paul says, is he doesn't use this power, he doesn't use this divinity as a club to kind of beat us over the head, to uh, whip us into submission. That's how we would use the power. But that's not what Jesus does. He doesn't wield it over us. Rather, Jesus sees his his, um, equalness to God not as something to manipulate, but as this opportunity. This opportunity has to serve, to love, to put others first. And when he does that, when Jesus does that, here's one of the cool things that happens right here in this verse is we get this picture of who God is, what his heart is like, It's one of humbleness and servanthood. He says, this is what I want you to be like. And so rather than just me telling you and forcing you and hitting you in the head with it, I'm going to show you how to do it in the most real and painful of ways. In the most extreme of examples. My life. So he humbles himself by not using his power, not using his uh, divinity as an advantage, like it would have been so obvious to so many of us to do. He humbles himself and he serves. Moving on to verse seven here. He says, rather, rather than use my power to my own advantage, he, he, he made himself nothing. That's number two. To highlight there, he made himself nothing. Maybe a a more literal way to describe what's happening here is he emptied himself completely. He poured himself out. This wasn't taken from him. It, It wasn't stolen. He didn't do it under protest. He purposely and willingly gave up everything that would have kept him from becoming truly human and fulfilling his mission. So he made himself nothing. And by taking uh, the very nature of number three, a servant became a servant, being made in human likeness. Remember, we're talking here about kind of the demotions Jesus is taking and how they're getting pointed out kind of very specifically here by Paul. And here's number three. Uh, not only uh, he comes to be a servant, it's, it's a demotion in and of itself for, for Jesus to become human, but he doesn't just become human, he becomes a servant, He doesn't enter the world as an emperor, as a king. He's not rich and powerful in the ways that the world knows. He's born a baby to a poor working class family. 
And again, the picture that we got to kind of try and put in our minds here that, that Paul's trying to remind us of is this is Jesus, the all knowing, all powerful, all present person of the Trinity, feeling the confines of flesh. It's got to use doors, right? Animals, eat, sleep. Think of the God of the universe, the creator coming to his creation. Saying, okay, mom, okay, dad, whatever you say, you know best. Think about him bumping shoulders with uh, uh, people he created, and, and they're saying, get out of my way, boy. Who do you think you are? Move along. Many more brilliant minds than mine have tried to um, depict this language of what it was like for Jesus to take this step down from a creator to creation. And I'm not sure any of it goes far enough. But that's what Paul is picking at here. He's trying to make sure we understand. He's trying to make sure we get it. And he's carefully uh, pointing that Jesus doesn't just jump down, uh, jump, come down and jump to the head of the class. He doesn't become king or, or uh, emperor. He becomes a servant. Then in verse 8. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death even death on a cross. If you're highlighting, that's number four there. His his death on a cross. If his humble birth wasn't enough, if his humble birth wasn't enough, it's nothing compared to his death. Submitting to death was a demotion in and of itself for Jesus But this was the most wicked, most cruel way this time period could think to kill someone. Crucifixion was much more like slow torture than it was a death. It was so horrific that uh, only if a Roman citizen was convicted of the highest of treason could they experience crucifixion. Yet this was the death Jesus experienced. And Paul's argument here is, and remember, this is all because he allowed himself to experience this, because he humbled himself. Paul is clearly here. He's being very deliberate. He's being slow and methodical, describing for us Describing for us all the ways Jesus humbled himself, all these kind of demotions that Jesus took, all these steps down he took. Is he doing this so that we can remember all that Jesus, we can remember all that Jesus did for us? Absolutely. But even more than that, Paul's saying to the church at Philippi, Paul is saying to Journey Church today, 
We are called to live our lives seeking ways to serve. Seeking ways to serve, looking for them, actively seeking. We're not called to step on others as we're kind of moving up the ladder. That's what the world does. We're called to look around and see how we can give a hand up. And we do this, Paul says, because Jesus told us to, and because we see it in his life. Paul just walked us through all of these ways that Jesus humbled himself. All of these ways that he kind of put himself uh, lower so that he could bring the rest of us up. We've got to have our eyes open, our hearts ready to serve. That's what Paul is asking of the Philippians. That's what Paul is asking of us today. In verse 5, if we go back just a little bit, Paul says that we need to have the mind of Christ. And I just sometimes think, you know, if you pause at that word and you don't continue on, it would have been easy for the Philippians, for us to read that and go, okay, we got some work to do, we got some studying, we need to find the answers so we can have the mind of Christ because we like to have the answers, we like to be the ones with the power. But then, it's as if Paul says, but wait... Before you can understand anything that Jesus really said, before you can really get it, before you can uh, answer any theological question, before you can begin to even think about telling someone about Jesus, you have to understand how Jesus humbled himself. How he humbled himself for you. You have to have that mindset, that heart in you. You have to understand while Jesus' mind was fully human, it works so differently from yours and mine. Jesus never once, as he walked the earth, thought, How am I going to get my own way in this? How am I going to kind of, how am I going to take advantage of this opportunity here that's before me? From his birth, to how he lived, to his death. Jesus showed us God's nature. He showed us God's true nature, and that nature was humbleness and servanthood. That's what he's calling out in us. Humility. Humility is one of those Uh, words that is uh, easy to see in people, but it's kind of hard to define sometimes. So let's spend a few moments here just talking about what humility isn't. Humility isn't thinking poorly of herself. It's not beating ourselves up. It's not neglecting ourselves. It's not minimizing our worth. Humility comes from deep within. It comes from deep 
within us. And it's when our egos get pushed aside and we are filled with the divine selflessness and servanthood that so defined us, so defined Jesus. It's fueled by the empathy and love that comes in part from being formed by the image of God. It's something that His Holy Spirit brings to us when we ask. This week, when we think back about today and we think, okay, well, how am I, what am I supposed to do with that? Sometimes it's so hard uh, to will ourselves to be more humble. It doesn't always work like that. So this morning, I've got uh, about five things I think you could do this week that would help you grow in humility. This morning, as I just as I list those out, we just listen for one you listen for one and then write it down and figure out how you're going to do it this week. Because the call here from Paul, I hope, is clear for you. It's clear he's calling us to humbleness. It's, he's calling us to serve those around just like Jesus did. So here's some ways we can be humble or more humble this week. Spend some time being thankful. Find some ways, carve some time uh, where you just, I mean, you're sitting down, uh, maybe it's in the drive, in the car, and you're just going through your day, and the number one thing you are thinking about is, what do I have to be thankful for in this moment? Not worried about the meeting coming up or what's going on with the kids. What am I to be thankful for right Now, maybe you need to write it down. Thankfulness is this powerful uh, tool we have. Number two, could you take some of your prayer time this week? Some of the time that maybe you're you're already praying for things and, and at least spend the beginning part of your prayer just marveling, marveling at who God is at his power, at his love for us. That's part of what Paul does here, right? He just kind of sits back and and he says, let me just paint this picture for you. We've talked about humbleness. I've told you you should be humble. I've talked about how, you know, we need to uh, be unified in one mind, in one spirit under Christ. And how we're going to do that is we're going to be humble. And that's all nice and good. But let me just paint a picture for you what humility looks like. He just started telling him about the life of Jesus. He just sat and marveled for a moment at who Jesus was, at his love and his compassion, at his humbleness. And that's something that you and I can do, especially in our times of prayer. Just marvel at who he is. Number three is a simple one. Pray for God just to soften your heart. Pray for him just to soften your heart to those you work with, you see on a daily basis. That you may recognize what's happening in them. 
You can kind of look past the ways in which they are uh, ignoring you or annoying you. And you can begin to see the issues that are going on in their life, the, the big things that are happening that uh, maybe we kind of skip by when we have our ears closed off a little bit in the conversations and we're focused on us and kind of what we want and how we want to move forward and get to the next thing and, and do this or do that. Sometimes we just need to pray that God would soften our hearts so that we're more patient in a conversation so that we listen a little more uh, with better ears to what's happening in somebody's life, that we pray that God opens our eyes to see the way he sees. Number four, maybe this week, if you want to just improve your uh, humility, send a note of appreciation to somebody who made a difference in you, invested in you, showed you the love of Jesus. Sometimes it's, it's so good to just kind of put that to words, name it, identify it, and, and thank somebody for it. And you know what happens when we do that kind of automatically without even um, uh, thinking about it is we think, how can I be that for somebody else? Try and live out some of those attributes. So we can send somebody a note of appreciation and increase our humility. Number five is, what if you just tried to find one day, one day next week where you just tried to be a blessing to someone just because God loves them? Maybe it's a stranger, maybe it's somebody in your home, maybe it's somebody at work. I don't know what that scenario is, but uh, you just spend a day, you know what, today I'm on the hunt for one thing. How can I just be a blessing to somebody? And kind of just look for the opportunities God puts right before you. Because here again, you're, you're, you're setting aside your agenda. You're setting aside kind of what you want to see happen and, and the steps you want to see them go in. And you're saying, all right, God, I'm trusting that you are going to provide an opportunity where I can just be a blessing to somebody. My prayer is you pick one of those this week. Pick one of them and just figure out some ways that God could increase your humility through some of those actions, through some of what we learned and read together today. Let me pray for us. Lord, we want to say thank you for the words of Paul. We want to say thank you for his clear picture uh, of what it takes to be unified, of what it takes to Follow in your example, God, and one of the primary places we have to start is humbleness. Humbling ourselves to serve others. God, we live in a world 
We go to work in a world, we raise our kids in a world where it is constantly this upward motion and how can we uh, get kind of one up on the other person, Lord. And and so many times, that, that is just how our minds are wired. Yet this very different picture gets drawn for us by Paul. Where he says, you know what's important? You know what was important to Jesus? You know what? When I look at Jesus' life, what I see him do is I see him humble himself. I see him on the search for ways to serve those around him. God, we're not going to perfect that this week, but we can take a step can move our heart and our life and our mind and our eyes in that direction. That's my prayer all across this room. Help that to happen. God, help that to happen in me. There's so many ways I could be more humble. So many ways I could do a better job serving those around me that I could uh, set aside my agenda and my desires and what I kind of want to see happen and I could say, okay, how do you want to move here, God? How can I help those around me? God, my prayers, that heart takes over in this place. Because it's your heart. In your name we pray. Amen.